as followers of Jesus are called to do. When we talk about being a disciple of Jesus, what our job is is to watch Jesus so intently that we know already what he's going to do. And so what we've been doing over the last few months is talking about healing. Now you might wonder why we want to spend so much time talking about healing. Well, here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, then what you believe is that when somebody's body is healed, when their mind is healed, when their soul is healed, when their heart is healed, when healing happens, the kingdom of God is bursting forward. It is a little taste of what it's supposed to be like. So when somebody's arm that's broken is healed, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's when the kingdom of God is bursting forward. Then we're supposed to have a broken arm. When when our emotions are healed, well, that's the little taste of the way it's going to be when Jesus comes back. And so this is why we've been talking about healing, because it's really what we do as followers of Jesus, as we are healed and we offer healing of Jesus to one another and to our community. Now, what we've talked about is we've said that basically the way that you and I can offer healing to people and the way that it's predominantly offered by Jesus is through an act of blessing. Right? And when we talk about blessing, when God blesses Abraham or Jesus blesses us, what it is is it's a giving up of power. It's a surrendering of something in possession of someone. Okay, And so God surrenders His blessing to Abraham. He gives it to him. And Jesus gives us His blessing, blessing in His death and His resurrection. And so what I said that there's basically three nice little words that we can kind of think about when we think about blessing and how we're to offer it as followers of Jesus and how kind of it's offered in Scripture. Number one is seeing. I gave you three words. It's to see somebody, to really see who they are, to know who they are was number two, and number three was to really name them. Right? So see them, know them, name them. Now I want to expand that just a little bit and to say, that blessing someone and offering healing to someone is first seeing them the way God sees them. Second, knowing them the way God knows them. And then in the naming process, it's naming or calling someone out into what God has created them to be. Seeing what God sees in them and then naming it, defining it, calling it what it is. And so that's what we're here to do as a community to one another and to the world around us is to offer this blessing and hope to see the kingdom burst forward in healing, both physical, emotional, spiritual, all those kinds of areas that make us up as humans. Um, but what I said was that there is an issue, and the issue is, is that we really have a hard time seeing healing happen in our lives and in the lives of other people, and it comes from a, actually a really good place. It comes from a desire that God has placed in us from the beginning, and that is for us to be significant or important. We want to know that we're important, and we want to know that we're significant, and to feel loved right, or secure. Right? These are the two things that, that kind of make us up as people. We want to know we have impact on the world, and we want to know that we're loved. But the problem is, is that you know, Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, and I keep telling you this, though you should read Matthew 7 a lot, but it says that the reason that you and I can't offer blessing to one another, take the speck out of somebody's eye, is that we have a big log in our eye. And that log has become you and I owning our importance and you and I owning our love. Like We are basically building our own towers and we're trying to figure out how we can manipulate the world to feel loved. And so when we're so obsessed and focused on that, it's very difficult for us to see what's going on in other people's lives because we have a really skewed filter, 
right? And what we've said is we've said no to God in two ways. Number one, we've said no to the created order. Remember, we talked about Genesis chapter 1. God creates humanity in His own image. If God of the universe creates you in His own image, you're important. God is telling you you're important if He allows you to bear His image. And then He goes on to give you us jobs as humanity, right? To fill the earth and to take care of it. Well, those things are... You only give jobs to people you love, right? And so, in the beginning, God says, I love you and you're important. But we run away from that. And so the second thing that you and I say no to is the cross, right? The God of the universe says, no, 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 wait, guys. Even though you've rejected me, this is about relationship. And so we looked at First Peter chapter 2. And in that passage, Peter tells us that Jesus sacrificed his life for us and that his very wounds are the thing that heal us. And he gives us this ability to choose righteousness over sin. And that he gives a wandering people an overseer and a shepherd. If that isn't love, and if that's not saying you're important, then I don't know what is, right? The God of the universe becoming a man, dying for you, and caring for you, and pouring his life out for you. And yet, me, you, all of us, we say no to these two things, and we take possession of our importance. We say, no, 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 that's not enough, Jesus. That's not enough, God. I need to make my own idols. I need to do things and arrange my life a certain way so that I feel okay, or at least I numb out the feeling that I'm not not loved and that I'm not important. Um, And so that's kind of where we sit. And what I asked you was just to think about what are some of the things that get in the way? Right? What are some of the what are some of the things that I I kind of developed to create my own significance and my own sense of feeling loved? What are the things that I use to do that so that I'm not really able to bless anyone? I'm not really seeing what's going on in other people's lives. I really don't know who they are because I'm so obsessed with myself. And so we've thought about that because we want to be effective healers. Now, tonight, I want to just Say, so, okay, there's, there's all of this stuff, and, and we need to process that, but we also need some things that we gotta hold on to, that, some practical ways that you and I can just engage each other as we're working on dealing with the log in our eyes. And I kinda wanna connect it to the principle of, okay, if we're disciples, and we're working on these processes, our job is to look to Jesus and imitate Him. So I wanna turn to John 14, now real thick, Quick, actually not John 14, we're going to John 5, sorry. Gospel of John, chapter 5. We'll get to John 14 in a minute. Now we look at John chapter 5, verse 19 and following. Now what's happening in this passage is that Jesus has healed a man by a pool of water and he's done it on the Sabbath and there's all this you know, problem with that. And Jesus is kind of dialoguing with the Pharisees and he says something really interesting about his relationship with the Father that I want us to look at. So John chapter 5, verse 19 says, Jesus gave them an answer. I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees His Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. Yes, to your amazement, He will show Him even greater things 
than these. Now the Pharisees are upset earlier because basically Jesus equates himself with being the son of the father, which means that he's equal to God. And so they're upset about that already. But what I want you to hear here is that Jesus is carefully watching the father and whatever the father does, Jesus does. So that when you and I watch Jesus, we will be about whatever the father is about. Okay. So our job then is simply to become people who know exactly what Jesus is doing, then we will always be about what the Father is doing. And if we're about what the Father is doing, what you're going to see is an explosion of the kingdom of God in our life and in the lives of the people around us. Okay. Now, you may say, okay, that, that's great, Eric. I can't see Jesus. I can't, this, and even just hearing Jesus, like sometimes my stomach grumbles and maybe I think I hear Jesus. But really kind of taking all these abstract concepts that you've been talking about and trying to make them practical and, and engage Jesus, I just don't know how to do that. So tonight what I want to do is I'm going to blow your mind with two ideas that are going to help you understand exactly what Jesus is doing. And they're going to be really, really surprising to you. You're going to be totally surprised to to what that you actually can hear the voice of God really clearly. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it to you. So first I'm going to go to John um, 14, 26. And Jesus is about to, well, a little ways down, He's going to be crucified. And He says this to His disciples, kind of explaining things and telling them how things are going to go. In verse 14, verse 20, or chapter 14, verse 26, it says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Okay. Here's the first mind-blowing concept. You have the Holy Spirit if you're a follower of Jesus. Okay? You should have your mind blown right now. So if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of God of the universe, is in you and on you. In you to work out your and transform you and on you to do good works. Now, what that means is that the Spirit of the God who created the universe is with you all the time. So, when you get up in the morning, if you're anything like me, this is probably what you do. You wake up in the morning and you think, gosh, my arm aches. Oh, I, uh, the kids are already out of bed. Oh no, I gotta go to, I have, uh, Right, And what you do is you live in a very fleshly world. right? We all live ruled by our flesh and ruled by the next thing to do. But here's this mind-blowing thing that I, I, just, I want you to think about for a minute. When you wake up in the morning, the Spirit of God is with you. And if you really thought about that, crazy things might just happen because the God of the universe is with you. Like, if we woke up and said, what crazy things is the God of the universe going to do today? I think things would change. Because what we've been run by, and most of the time what we run our life by, is very fleshly. Right? We, we go through, in the very beginning, a list of things that we need to do. And, and we're kind of pushed by the tyranny of the urgent, as I've talked about before. Right? So I'm going to ask you, in order for you to begin to watch the hand of your master, I want you to wake up and I want you to say, okay, 
The Spirit of the living God, the one who spoke me into existence, the one who created the universe, the one who wove everything together, is with me, and he's doing stuff. Right? The Father is doing stuff. And Jesus is doing stuff because Jesus is doing the Father's work and the Spirit is to remind us and counsel us and move us in the direction. So God is about stuff. God is with you. You could be about God's stuff. So that's the first thing I just want you to hang on to. I want you to wake up in the morning and be really excited. Make a choice. I'm super excited because the Spirit of God is with me. And crazy things are going to happen. Okay? Now, Here's the second mind-blowing idea for you to understand how and what Jesus is doing. To be a good servant and step into blessing other people. It's real simple. You've probably never heard of it. It's called prayer. I know none of you have ever heard of it, but it, it is the way that you and I communicate. Now here's the problem with the word prayer in both a secular culture and a Christian culture. I'll start with the Christian culture. And that is that if you've grown up in the church or you've been to lots of prayer meetings or what you think about prayer is talking out loud, right? So if you're an introvert, prayer meetings, asking to have to pray a lot, well, you don't have a lot of words anyway. So so prayer seems like kind of a forced thing. And then if you're an extrovert, man, you really like praying a lot. You're like talking to God. And that's awesome, right? But still, prayer... It, it still seems to me that in our culture, even if we like praying, it's an exchange system. Like, we just kind of blurt out what it is that we want. And, and this is what the writers of the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, try desperately to fix. Because in the Greco-Roman world, the idea of prayer was simply one word, and it meant an exchange. Right? And so a very pagan way of praying is to say, okay, God, I will do these things for you if you will do this. And I will do these things if you will do this. And so both in the New Testament and the Old Testament, the sense of prayer is rarely or ever, God, I'll do these things for you if you'll do this. What prayer is, in its most simple sense, is becoming aware of yourself, and becoming aware of God. Right? So, you remember last week, we, I told you I worked in a geriatric ward and a psychiatric geriatric wards with people who were 60 and over. I actually think 55 and over, so some of you could have come and hung out with me. Um, but we had a reality orientation group, right? Remember I told you most people thought Reagan was president and those kinds of things. But reality orientation was simply to help people plant themselves in reality, to remind them of who they are and where they are and what's happening around them. That is a Hebrew sense of prayer. And it is what the New Testament writers tried very hard to continue by using lots of different words for prayer. Because prayer is basically you looking inside yourself. The word literally means to judge yourself and to be aware of God. So to, for the creature to know who the creature is and for the creator to be acknowledged. That's what prayer is. Now, one of, so when you wake up in the morning and you begin to realize that the Holy Spirit is on you, prayer becomes 
a way of orienting yourself. Now, still. Okay, that's good, Eric. Most of us still have this sense that praying is talking out loud to God, either in a group of people or in our closet, right? But we, we have this, this kind of, I think we have a very narrow sense. Prayer, I, I want to widen it for you and, and help you to like live out a lifestyle of prayer so you can actually see what the master is doing, okay? And so that you have some things to grab onto as you offer blessing to people around you. So the first thing I want to talk about in prayer is scripture, okay? Now, because I'm a pastor, it's very important to me to tell you that the first part of, of praying actually involves your Bible. Okay? Now I want to read to you 2 Timothy, um, verse 3:16 and 17. And if I have a good navigator in here, they could probably quote it for me. Um. <laughs> All right, but I will read it for you, okay? I'll say it really loud, really loud. Go for it. <laughs> awesome. Good job, guys. <laughs> Let me, I'll read it really loud in case you didn't hear it, but they did. Second Timothy 3, 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The good works that you and I are called to are what we've been talking about. Seeing each other, knowing each other, calling each other out, offering the healing. Okay? Scripture here equips you for it. Now, this is God's heart. It's inspired. It's, it's everything that He has poured out to us. Now, that means that when you have a question, there is very little question in the world that the Bible actually doesn't answer. Right? If you are looking for wisdom, just read James or Proverbs. If you are, are questioning you know, how to parent your child as a dad. Read Paul and he'll tell you, don't rear up and, and, and overpower your son and be, and, and, and influence him in a way where he's afraid of you all the time, right? Or Proverbs will tell you that you have to, you know, foolishness is pushed away by a rod, right? Stern, consistent discipline moves foolishness out of children's lives. Scripture tells us if you have questions about how you're to love your wife who you're having such a difficulty with, well, Scripture says, lay your life down like Jesus. There's an answer. But you have to have a dialogue. So what you have to do is you have to begin to create an intimacy with God where you're saying, okay, God, I have this question, and now I'm going to start reading and looking for the answer to it. I'm going to want to hear what you have to say. And I guarantee you that if you say, God, I just don't know what to do, with my child, or I just don't know what to do with my brother, or I just don't know what to do with my job that's producing all this anxiety, open up Scripture, begin to read, and you will hear. I promise you that you will hear God's heart. He will speak to you. okay? Because it's inspired, and it's profitable for teaching and rebuking. So, 
The next time you go, think, man, I need to ask Eric this question. My question would be to you before you ask me is, do you know what Scripture says about it? Do you understand what Scripture says about the thing that you're struggling with? The, the argument that you're having? The things, the anxiety that you're wrestling with? What does Scripture say? What does the God of the universe who is on you and in you have to say about it? Now then we can talk and wrestle with that. But if you want to know what the Master really thinks about stuff and is about, then you got to read Scripture. You want to know about sexuality? Read Song of Solomon. You want to know about marriage? Read Ephesians. We can go on and on about these things. But that's actually... But here, let me tell you, this is prayer. When you begin to say, okay, God, show me. That's prayer. That's praying. Okay? Now, the second one, I hope irritates a little bit of you. Okay? I hope I can get underneath your skin with this second idea. So, if the first part of praying is really dialing with God's heart in Scripture, I would like to read to you um, Joel chapter 2. Now, Joel is a prophet. And Joel talks about, and part of his prophecy about the Holy Spirit being poured out and what will happen. And he, when Jesus ascends into heaven and the Spirit of God is given to us. And he talks about in chapter 2, verse 28, and he says, And afterward I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour my Spirit out in those days. Peter talks about this later on in Acts. We'll talk about this. But what is being said here is that all of us, with the Spirit of God poured out on us, will prophesy. Some will prophesy, meaning we will speak out the truth and we will foretell, we'll tell things that people don't know about. It also means that people are going to see dream, have dreams and visions. We're going to have spooky things happen, right? Things that are a little weird, that feel uncomfortable. Now, here's the problem. Most of you don't dream. Most of you don't prophesy. And most of you don't have visions. And there's a reason. And I want to include myself in this. I don't have dreams, visions, or prophesy. Like, we're all in the same camp together. And it's not just the village. We're all on campus as followers of Jesus for the most part. We don't have these. And here's why. Because we've been dreaming everybody else's dreams and everybody else's visions. Because we live in a culture where we are so visually stimulated and we are so wrapped up in other people's narratives that we don't listen or see or hear or have God's visions because they're crowded by everybody else's. Now, just as a side note, scientifically what they have done over the last 40 or 50 years with children who watch television and studies that come out, it's all kind of convoluted. Nobody really can conclude anything about it except one thing. Children who watch a lot of TV and adults who watch a lot of TV tend to daydream more than they imagine. Okay? The more, and they are less creative. So what happens is that when you watch a lot of TV, when you're caught up in a lot of visual stimulation, you are daydreaming about other people's stories. You're living in other people's narratives. And so we aren't really feeling the full impact of God speaking to us. And it seems that God in Joel is saying, I'm going to talk to you in your dreams. I'm going to talk to you in your visions. I'm going to talk to you 
in telling you what's going to happen. That that's going to be part of knowing. That's part of praying. So, I know maybe you don't agree with me, and I'm not saying television is bad. Hey, I watch TV. I watch movies. I'm part of the narrative of our culture. I'm not saying let's completely all unplug. But here is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take one night a week. And I'm going to do this as your pastor. But I want you to take one night a week and I want you to unplug. Okay? Completely. If you need to use your phone to like, you know, coordinate dinner or do whatever, that's fine. But I want you to unplug from entertainment. Unplug from the TV. Unplug from your phone. And I want you to go to SoundCloud and the Villagers Online and, and listen to some worship music with your house or with some friends or listen to the worship music that you like. Um, or take a sermon that I've preached or Rod's preached or your favorite preacher has preached. I want you to listen to it together. I want you to sing together. I want you to read a little scripture together. And then I want you to pray this prayer and go to bed early. God, I want some dreams and I want some visions. And so we have centered ourselves and we have begun to clear out all of the busyness and we're going to bed expecting for you to give us dreams and visions because we've made our, we want to experience the pouring out of the Spirit of God in our family. If you don't have a family to do that, like you're by yourself, then spend some time doing that and then call somebody and say, hey, let's just pray together. I'm going to bed. Would you pray that you, God will give me visions and dreams? about what he has to say to me and what he has to say to other people. I promise you, I promise you as your pastor, if you do that, you will be coming to church on Sunday saying, Eric, I have a dream for you. I saw something. Now guess what? Some of you are going to be wrong. Some of it's going to be indigestion. Some of you are just going to be like, ah, it was confusing. But here's the thing. It's actually okay to be wrong. It's okay because part of it is practice. Knowing the vision and knowing the dream and knowing truly what God has to say, you can't just do it perfectly. You have to actually practice. Right? And so it's okay to be wrong because what we have is God's heart and scripture. So if, if you're saying things in your dream or vision and we're like, eh, scripture doesn't say that, then we just know, hey, that, that's not from God. Just put that aside. That was the pizza you ate. Okay. So we're, we're, we're okay there. But I, I, if you want your mind blown, do this. If you want God to show up in crazy ways in your life, do this. If you want to know what the Master's hand is in your life, then do this. Okay? I will do it. I'm going to do it once a week. I'm asking you and I'm inviting you to do it. Hey, if you got kids, it might last five minutes. Right? But you're still going to be unplugged. Right? You may not be able to hang on to the kids and, and the, you know, the time. Um, if you're really flexible and you don't have kids and you're single, get a couple people together and do it. Or if you're your pilgrim group or your monastic community, however it is, I would ask you to do it with the specific request that God speak to you in your visions and in your dreams. Now, the third way that prayer happens and the way that we have begin to have a dialogue with God, not just an exchange of, will you do this for me and will I'll do this for you and I promise never to do that. But when we begin to have this dialogue where God is, we're communicating with God in scripture, we're asking him to speak in some mystical ways to us. The third way, that we begin to pray is that we begin to pray in community. That actually what we're doing right now is praying. Because you see, I am actually prophesying. I am speaking forth God's word. 
And in community, hopefully the Holy Spirit right now is saying things to you. You're, you're feeling, you're like, oh, what should I do? You're having a dialogue. That's actually prayer. So that's something you have to begin to foster. Now, I have not read this verse in a very long time, but it is my favorite verse, and it describes what community is all about. So I will jump to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And I'll read it to you, because it talks about community and what it's about and how actual prayer looks like in community. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, for us to consider in the community of God, we have to ask God. So you are having a dialogue. If you come to church, one of the dialogues you need to be having with God is like, Oh, there's Ryan McCulley, God. What, what is it that you're doing in his life? How can I irritate him? How can I spur him on to loving good deeds, right? And, and begin to have this dialogue. Ask God. You know, you don't even have to come up with thoughts right away. Just say, God, I, I want to know how to irritate. And then come up, you know, fill in the blank, right? Vivi. Um, we'll all work on Vivi today. Um, part of the dialogue. Now, if you and I come here and we realize that all of us are in that dialogue, then it becomes this big community of prayer. Because I'm coming here saying, okay, well, what is it that God's calling me to do? Well, one of the things that that does for all of us is it gives us courage. The part of being in this dialogue of prayer together and irritating one another and hearing God's voice and saying, oh, I need to talk to so-and-so about this. Oh, I should ask about that. That kind of prayer begins to give one another courage. And when you have courage, you're willing to take risks. You're willing to say, hey, I have this dream. Hey, can we pray about that? Hey, and then you begin to have a dialogue about those things. So, here we go. Next week, Rod is going to talk about what it means to really know God, and then we're going to be done with this healing series but so let me just kind of review everything and then give you two assignments right so healing is we, the way we offer healing is blessing and it's seeing knowing and naming right the obstacles are your importance you taking hold of your importance and you manipulating people so that you feel loved those are the things that are the obstacles to you blessing right the way that you and i can offer effective blessing is to watch jesus the way that we watch jesus is to be mindful Okay, just to use a modern term, mindful that the Holy Spirit is with us. Now, if you know anything about mindful meditation, some, you, you become aware of your body. You stop and you're like, oh, I can feel my toes. Okay, I can feel my... You begin to actually fit yourself in your body. Well, what I'm asking you is to be mindful spiritually and say, oh, the Spirit of God is with me. That's what I'm reorienting yourself and then beginning the process of expanding the way that you dialogue with God through Dialing through Scripture, through really setting aside time to have visions and dreams and begin to interact with those. And then also not to give up coming to the village, coming to Pilgrim Group, not giving up these things because this is the place where the big dialogue happens and where we can pray together as a community. And we can have that interaction and know who we are and know who God is. Now, here's the second assignment. And it, last week what I asked you to do was to go to people 
and say, who am I? Instead of having people come to you and name you, go to people and say, hey, who am I? Like, tell me who I am. And so that had a huge impact on our community. A lot of you did it, and it was pretty incredible. Now I have another assignment for you. Now I know if you're new with us, you might think, hey, like I don't know anybody here. Well, this assignment will actually give you an opportunity to see the Holy Spirit show up. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to go to somebody today and say, will you pray for me right now? Will you pray for me? Do not tell them why. Do not tell them for what. If someone comes to you and asks you to pray for them, I want you to pray. And as you pray, I want you to listen. And if you hear Scripture, then I want you to offer that Scripture. If you have some strange vision in your head, then tell them the vision. Say, you know what, I don't have to say anything to do with you, but I see a red light and you know, blah, blah, blah. And just offer them a vision. I want you to practice okay? hearing and seeing. Like I want you to begin to get in touch with your, sen- your spiritual senses. And so, that's your assignment. Now, if that feels a little awkward, um, push past the awkwardness, okay? Be like the adolescent, whatever it was called, group, you know, of people who were awkward together, right? High schoolers. Um, it's okay. Push past it. Be awkward. If you're new, this is an opportunity for someone to actually speak into your life and you'll see the Holy Spirit come forward and say things because they don't know who you are. They have no clue. They're just going to offer you what they hear. So that's your assignment. Your assignment is to ask to be prayed for and then if you're asked to offer good things through your visions and through scripture that you might hear from God. And the first one is, I really, really, really want you guys to unplug one day a week and ask God to show up in a mystical way at night. All right, somebody give me a time. All right, I have a couple minutes for questions, thoughts, pushbacks, whatever. Anybody have thoughts, pushbacks, arguments? Okay, go for it. Right, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, yes. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, I would argue that he is in this big, huge dialogue with God. And it's not just a, hey God, will you take care of my horse today? Hey God, will you take care of my wife? Like it's, it's bigger when he, that's what he's talking about when he says praying without ceasing. Any, yes, sir. I was going to, well, um, I was struck by the fact that the groundedness in reality that you challenged um, to shut down media. So, just extending that, we make a culture of religion. Um, we live in a Right. But I can get ground I can I can ground myself in one reality and find that. And I'm not saying that's a bad 
then again, I'm offering myself to everybody too. And I'm saying, We need to have our feet planted in the spirit. And uh, I'm concerned for our culture and concerned for the entire Thanks. Yes, sir. Well, I, I think two things. One, that's why I said before you go to bed, you, you, you spend a time, well, you're unplugged and you're spending a time allowing the Holy Spirit to be on you and, and to be focusing you, saying, I'm, this is about God, and even my sleeping is going to be about you. So I think that, that would be, um, the first thing. The second thing is that as you have dreams, and they are, if they don't feel like they're from God, you put them in community. Because dark things want to be hidden, but things that you know are of the light, when they're put into light, the darkness will scatter. So I think it's something that you have to keep talking about if it moves in a direction that's not. Like I, I think the dreams and visions that you have are not for just you. They're going to be for, like I think if you do this, you're going to come to church with, I got to talk to so-and-so because I had a dream about them and about something in their life and I need to tell them this. Like you're going to have that kind of experience. And so, yeah, I would. And if, if, you know, and you ask if you're, if the darkness is pushing in on your dreams, then you ask people to constantly pray for you and, and hold you up in that. Any, any other comments, thoughts? All right. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, I want to be, Myself, a person who sees in people what you see, knows what you know, and can speak articulately about what you're doing in somebody's life, calling them out, speaking their identity in the kingdom. I want to be that person. And so, Jesus, I ask that you, through your Spirit, would give me the courage and the strength not to live in my flesh, but to live in step with your spirit. And then I ask that for all of this community here tonight. That 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 would be true and that we would take hold of this and that we would be willing to awkwardly ask to be prayed for and that we would be willing to put aside um, time and, and ask for you to show up. I ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen.